What's going on, everybody? Welcome back in for another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast here on a Wednesday. Yes, it has been a little over three weeks, I believe, since we last had an episode to update you guys on what is going on. We apologize for that. We've had stuff going on with our work that's pushed back our days. Um, and we all, we've been doing some other stuff uh, just hobby-wise we haven't got to anything. So again, we apologize. So here we are today, though, to discuss everything that's been going on with Saluki basketball and around the Valley. There's tons and tons to get to. We will dive into it all. I'm Nick Malone, of course, always joined by Noah Lurch. Noah, like I said, again, I mean, we, especially when we take this this much time off, obviously, there's always going to be tons of things. And we're in the dead of the offseason right now in the summer where stuff starts to happen. And it has the last three weeks. Like I said, we'll cover it all. What's going on? Yeah, it's been an interesting uh, May so far here, especially for not just only SIU basketball, but across the Valley as well. Um, This week only, I mean, Evansville getting new coach has a press conference today. Um, That's big for the Valley. Then other teams are uh, starting to put put together their rosters and uh, the Valley isn't going anywhere because there's some interesting teams, the way they've put some teams together here. it's going to be an interesting season, and uh, it's been an interesting – and so on the Saluki side, it's been a very interesting May, adding a in-conference uh, transfer, then uh, getting a Division two guy, uh, then getting that extra guy that came out of nowhere that we kind of figured we might have an extra spot, but uh, we get another one. So three commits in May for Brian Mullins and co. Yeah, we'll dive into all those players. You're right. Jawan Newton was the last one we discussed. We'll dive into Jawan some more after we talk about the two guys that we did commit. It was on May 19th, around that time. It was it, All of it kind of came as a surprise. We knew we were starting to add people. And even you mentioned for other Valley teams, Jess, it's starting to come into round into form for them as well. It was a crazy like day or two. And uh, a lot of surprises, and we'll dive into some more of those surprises that happened. But, yes, let's dive into those two commits. Uh, and we talked about it because Jawan was kind of out of nowhere, and we said, yeah, we could have more out of nowhere gets, but obviously our – and we'll get to some more. Obviously, at this point, it doesn't really matter. We're not going to keep interested in guys, but we'll run through some of the other ones uh, that we were interested in where they went as well. But we always just had a feeling it was going to still be guys on that list. We know Xavier is the only one out of these four now that were on, you know, our interest thread that we knew the team was in on. So let's cover these guys that came out of nowhere. Let's start with the first one that happened because you mentioned the second one absolutely blew our minds. Uh, but this first one, Noah, A.J. Ferguson, you mentioned it, Division Two. This is the perfect um, – and we'll go through his stats and the whole rigmarole – uh, I'll let you begin with it, but this is the six foot six, but this is the exact kind of player we needed that we needed to add, you know, to the skill set. We've talked about how the Valley is, is stacking up with wings. And like I said, whether there was guys on our list that fit this mold and this one also first came out of nowhere as well. Noah, um, he was on, you'll, you'll go through some of the success that him and his team had as well. Obviously, when you look through it, it's it's not a bad get at all. It was just a shocking one, Noah. He's like I said, he's got the perfect uh, body and everything. That's something that we would have needed to add, and that we did. Yeah, definitely another one that um, came out of nowhere, like you said. I mean, six six body, the frame coming from Division Two, uh, East Central, 
in Oklahoma. I mean, this is a this is a kid that played with a lot of guys that scored over ten points a game. I think it was around six or seven guys that averaged ten a game. Um, he averaged eleven game at East Central. Um, he's originally from Houston, Texas, so another Texas kid coming in with Cade. Um, but yeah, a lot of guys, uh, a lot of question marks in Saluki Nation. That what have we? If they try to compare to the recent Division Two guys that try to make the jump that we have gotten, haven't really panned out. Uh, but with this frame and his ability, three three level score, and the kid loves to play defense, and he takes pride in that. So that that's what Brian Mullins and staff sees in that. So. Um, Three years of eligibility, a lot of upside. Um, like you said, got to be patient right away, take that jump. But his athletic ability and uh, what he could bring to this team down the road, not only this year, we get him for two more years after that could be huge. Yeah, and we'll dive into what uh, we even got a DM that we'll cover of talking about how the rotation could be. And we're thinking that A.J., you're right. With him being that young, it, it, it's not only just a obviously to help them now. It's definitely for the future. And he is so very young. And we were trying to uh, talk about how you're right. He was on a team with a lot of scores. So, you know, first glance, you know, the first thing was how many points did he average? Because we know Owen White was a 20 point scorer and went where he did. We're just thinking about the other Division two guys that we were that we knew we were in on. And he was, his was only 11. So, I mean, and four rebounds. You know, obviously the rebound thing for a guy that size, but when you watch his tape, um, yeah, he he seems aggressive. You're right. You mentioned the defense, and it says that in the article here that he does take pride in it, and uh, he is an explosive player. And you can tell that on his tape. We kind of just compared it to the fact that well, we if we lose a cash, we need to get someone that's around his size and everything. And AJ, honestly, he's not as thin as Cash. You can kind of tell. I mean, he's he is still a little thin, but I, he's not as as Coupet was, but we're just comparing the fact that if we're replacing cash, we need to get someone that can, you know, do the same kind of things or more. And we're thinking, obviously, it's tough to say at this point right now, because we thought when we got cash, he was going to be you know, our best defensive player to guard the, the wings for other teams. And he kind of underwhelmed at that. And we're thinking AJ could be that guy if he, you know, plays a lot, obviously with him being young, that we're saying he looks more aggressive. He is like, he's, he can shoot without a doubt. We're, we're noticing that in his tape, but he's, he's penetrating a lot more there. There was a play where he had his first step and he broke a dude's ankles almost and drove by him and penetrated and dunked it. So definitely he hasn't reached his peak yet without a doubt. That's obvious. And we're thinking that we can get that out of him on both ends of the floor. Yeah. He had guys in the, you know, 15 to whatever range. So he was kind of on a deep team and he had to do his part. And I'm thinking he did, uh, so, like, if, like I said, Division Two people, you know, think whatever it is at the time. But then when you, you know, it, it's weird because it does. It came out of, uh, what did you say, East Central, Oklahoma, and you said he's from Texas. So, it's like, where does a guy like this get on the radar of our staff? Like, we know you're always going to look at Division Two or JUCO guys and where him specifically fell into their laps or fell into their scope of wanting to go get him. It's interesting, and but his size and everything makes it appear that there's a lot to work with there that they think they can tap into. So let's dive into some of this article with it. But first, you know, we talked about some of the games. We'll get to some of his season 
more stats here, but no, we noticed that they had a game against the Arizona Razorbacks recently. Let's dive into how we did in that game. Yeah, they got a good exhibition game on the road at Arkansas. East Central actually led by two points at halftime, 37-35. Ended up falling by three points, 77-74. Uh, but uh, A.J. had a nice little game. I mean, he had he had eight points and four rebounds. Uh, had a plus-minus of seven. Uh, only played about 15 minutes in that game. Um, was three or four from the line. Has a decent stroke. Can shoot a little bit from three. I think he shot about 40% on the year, but um, had it pretty good against elite, an elite eight opponent um, against Arkansas. Yeah, we know Arkansas was a good team last year, and whether they you know, were playing their hardest or whatever, but that's just the kind of team you go in with nothing to lose and you see what happens. But going through his season, uh, you know, he had stretches that all these guys and we'll get to. Maybe not the, the next recruit had any games like this. We'll get to Jawan as well. We know Jawan can score. Some nice games that A.J. had. Uh, he started the he started the season off hot, 11, 19, 15, and he stayed around that. I mean, there was around 10. He had a 20-point game. I mean, he had spurts, and he had his second-to-last game of the year – or, sorry, that was uh, the beginning of the year. He had 18 in his second game, and then the first numbers I read off were at the end of the season. So we finished strong, and overall, he, he's got the talent to do that. And like I said, he's – he's a lot more active than what it seems cash could be a lot more dog to him. And that's what we said. And we'll get to the next one. That's because we remember watching his team and it's like, we need more dogs. Like we know Lance Jones is a dog. And it's like, we kind of didn't have all that. And it seemed like cash Pet wasn't had that dog mentality. He was a professional. What he did, he was uh, softly spoken and just did his job. And he did, that's for sure. But you need guys that will go out there and try to get after teams and, just to have that dog mentality. And we're thinking he does have this. So we scored a little bit there and looking at his season highs, he had a, uh, I mean, there were, there were points where let's see here. He only shot four threes in a game was his most. You said 40%. I mean, that's not a whole lot of attempts for sure. You know, we know he can shoot it, but that's a decent percentage. So overall, I mean, he played 39 minutes. He's durable. He can play a lot of minutes in games and he did, you know, everything that you expect at a division two, I suppose, you know, what their team expect and what the kind of players and season that they can end up unfolding. It's just weird how it would keep again on the map of us, but they see something in them for sure that there's definitely room to grow as time goes on. So, you know, what are your final thoughts on him before we move on? Like I said, it was, and as we talk about, it, he's young, time to work on everything about him, but we're thinking that he, he definitely got to play a factor this year. We'll get to it. We'll get how, the depth of our rotation is starting to take a weird toll on deciding what would happen. But no, we're thinking that he can be a factor this year and obviously moving forward, like I said. Yeah, most most definitely this is a guy with the eligibility. It could be that diamond in the rough we can find in a, out of a D2. Um, that could be here for the long haul, hopefully, and uh, bring the three-level, the, the versatility on the offensive end, but most definitely the size and length on the defensive end. Uh, the guy we've been talking about, we got cash last year, um, but this also could be another step. Um, by mid-December last year, he was starting for them at that point. From the, there on, he averaged 14 a game. Uh, so um, this is a guy that's going to come in and help. Maybe not sure he'll start right away, um, but could be like his freshman year at D2 by mid-December. You could, you could see this kid in the starting lineup. 
without a doubt. Yeah, and he was a good free throw shooter, 78%. Um, and they mentioned how he was the first ever uh, player in his high school to score 1,000 points. Some quick quotes here. He said, yeah, the game slowed down for me. I realized I could do this. Even though I'm a freshman, offensively, I like to get to the rim. I can shoot it as well. I'm long, athletic, explosive at times. Try to get some dunks in. Yeah, they posted a video, everybody. I'm sure everyone's seen it so far. It was a good video. Brian said he left a legacy at his high school and wants to do the same thing here at SIU. His character, worth, work ethic, and competitiveness fit or what uh, we are about as a program. He is someone who will continue to get better every year because of his love for the game. And then AJ said, being competitive on defense, that's what makes basketball fun to me. It's pride, really. Whoever it is in front of you, you're being competitive and saying, I'm going to stop you from scoring. So that's all good stuff. The defensive mentality, as we know, yes, we, we know that is the main part of our team. And we'll, and we'll get to it also whenever we talk about these two and what the team looks like. We might, well, I think we got better on defense. And we were a great defensive team last year. So, all right, no, there's AJ. Excited to have him. We'll jump into him with the rotation thoughts. Now let's get to the one that was the biggest of surprise, Noah. Um, St. Peter's, as we know, Cinderella story. We made that post months back around the same time that SAU beat St. Peter's in the NIT on their road to winning our NIT in 67. It was a fun little stat. And seeing what they did before your Tar Heels destroyed them, we know the run that they had, uh, and it was overly impressive. And we know Shaheen Holloway, their head coach, went to Seton Hall. That's where he played. And all their players enter the portal. And we were talking how we know Matthew Lee weeks ago or a month ago was going to Missouri State. We knew that. And we're uh, banks on their team went to St. Bonaventure. Uh, what's his name? Went to Bryant, the mustache kid. Can't think of his name. And then Nadefu, who was their best shot blocker, best overall player, it seemed like at times in the tournament. He still got a place to go. But no, let's talk about the one that stuck out a lot in the tournament. We even discussed him. Hmm, I wonder where he's going to go. He's going to be pivotal, and you forget how young he is. We'll get to it, Noah. Clarence Rupert, like we said, tournament run, he had his moments. We went back and saw he was stretching the floor. He was, you know, obviously scoring the paint, and big body in Oscar Shibway, Armando Baycott, and Zach Eady and Trayvon Williams of Purdue. Noah, this was totally out of left field. What are the odds that we would land a kid like this? Let's jump into him. Yeah, it's uh, if you're just a stat a stat looker. Uh, the stats aren't really impressive. He only averaged about four and a half points, two and a half rebounds, and just over 13 minutes a game uh, for St. Peter's. Um, they played a lot of guys. If you watched them in the tournament, like everybody did, uh, they rotated in like hockey subs. They had different lineups go in. Um, but just like AJ, three years of eligibility, more upside. Um Brian said he hasn't scratched the surface yet and what type of player he can be. Um, this one really came out of nowhere. Um, really confused me of what we're doing. But me and you talked about it. Uh, a guy like this with upside like that and what he showed in the tournament against all Americans. Can't really pass on that, but uh, we'll get into the rotations later. But it's kind of at first it was a head scratcher for me. Didn't know where the big room, the big man group was headed. Uh, with what we have coming in, with Cade coming in, with Red Shirting Scotty and JD already being here, but um, his games against, like you said, Osh Oscar Toshibwe at, uh with Kentucky, uh, KJ Williams, the OVC Player of the Year at Murray, Edie and Williams with Purdue, and uh, Baycott at North Carolina. He scored 26 on 12 of 22 field goals uh, against those teams. 
and uh, had the seven had the first seven points for St. Peter's against uh, Zach Eady and Purdue. Had eleven in the first half with a big win over Purdue. I mean, uh, most. I mean, that wasn't the, offensively. There's not a lot there. There is some potential. We can. Uh, he did hit that three um, in the tournament. Only sh- he only shot like maybe ten on the year, but I think he could work on that. There is upside there, like I said. But um, offensively, yeah, it can be polished up. But that's not even the most impressive aspect of his game. Defensively, he is a monster. Put it down. We'll dive into it all. It's. We narrowed it down to the fact – well, for the fact that he's so young, like we knew it watching their team and stuff, and when he did, you know, break out in certain games that it was like he's really young, but it's like remembering because he doesn't look like a freshman and he doesn't, you know, act and talk like that. Well, to get to where he's he's from, like what, Philly, and he's, he's you know, they have the whole New York, New Jersey personality. That's what Shaheen Holloway instilled in these guys. He said it a lot in the tournament. I think it, it narrowed it down to the fact that he wasn't going to go bigger. And even though when you play on that stage, it's like with the portal and everything and the interest that can lie within so many programs and the fact that he's so young and six, eight two fifty, it's like, you know, how are other teams not in on him? It was weird. And it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to go big. I'm going to stay the mid major. It's like, who knows how, you know, what can happen in that kind of process. But it was, yes. You could, they couldn't pass on him. I think as soon as they found out that he could stay at the mid-major level and they can get in touch with him, I mean, anybody can really get in touch with anybody, clearly, and it happens fast. But um, just the fact that um, it's like when, when you see someone do that, and we know, you know, Brian says about all these guys, about the NCAA term, that's all they want to do. And the fact that this kid just lived it. Xavier Johnson's never been there. Jamal Newton's never been there. And clearly, A.J. Ferguson's never been there. And nobody on our team has currently so it's like you couldn't pass up a guy that not only played well but just was in it itself and um along with his age it's like it was like it it was too good to be true and that they couldn't pass it up and that's because you said it again um the fit and that's where when we were first talking about it's like how are we going to make this fit and we were narrowing it and we were deciding like well he can kind of be if he can stretch the four you mentioned the 10 threes hopefully we can get more shots out of him because we know JD is still here. As far as we know, we know it's past the deadline. He's not going to transfer. We're not going to have anything blindsided with him. And they're kind of the same player. We try to compare the two. It's kind of tough, but we would, because Clarence is younger, they're all, they're both about the same size and can guard. We know JD can guard like two through five. We've discussed that, but Rupert, yes, is elite defensively. And you ended it with on that. And it talked about how, that's really because it was against those guys. And you said KJ Williams, heck, because just th- speaking of Murray coming here and then him going to LSU, he got his name out of the waters. But that was a matchup as well. It, it's it's so impressive. And it's like when you look at it now, it's like, of course, this is an amazing get for the experience in the tournament and because he's young and can defend. Because, like I said, everywhere around the Valley, it's, it's positionless basketball and it's going to be versatile as heck. You need a guy like this that can just absolutely – wreak havoc and we're thinking that's what he can do and he's battle tested now and, and they couldn't pass on that so let's dive into some more things here before we get into like rotations and how it can fit uh he said i just went out there and played the same defense i've been playing all year long he was talking about being in the tournament i'm tough i'm a dog i'm not going to let you out dog me in front of anybody that's not how i roll 
and then Brian said he impacts the game in a lot of ways that do, that do not show up on the statute, as you said, yes. Uh, he is from Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, he said, I have a chip on my shoulder. So many people doubted me. Anytime I step on the court, it's always going to be there. If I make it to the league, it's still going to be there. I have something to prove. I haven't proved anything yet. I know we know as a – that's what we say, keep your chip has been a motto in this program for a couple of years now. And uh, the people that speak that way, it's like you go after guys that have that chip on their shoulder. Juwan was talking about it as well. So it's like getting those guys to have something to prove can get the best out of them clearly. So I'll dive into more on your opinion on – it was blindsided. Like like I said, you being a North Carolina fan, you saw it. Like he, I don't I don't have the box score in front of me what he did in that game. It, they didn't do a whole lot as a team. Uh, they ran to a buzzsaw, but – the first 11 points against Purdue is just insane. And we were just talking about before, like I said, where can this kid go when he was in the portal? He can go somewhere. Is he going to fall Shaheen to Seton Hall? Like who knew? And just the irony, and we'll get to more irony around the Valley. The irony that he would land here is honestly too much to believe. Yeah, definitely. We wondered where, uh, how he ended up here. We, I mean, obviously if you look at his, his, his options at a high school, you obviously wonder how he got to St. Peter's uh, when he had Georgia, Temple, UMass, Murray State, SLU, Wichita State, and even teams like Bryant, who is a tournament team, Norfolk State, who's a tournament team, then teams like Old Dominion and Ryder, and Ryder's been a tournament team in the last five years. So you wonder how he ended up at St. Peter's. That's just the staff and Shaheen Holloway getting it done. But um, it's crazy to see um with the upside um we don't know jd's future he could have another year after this year um we know what's hopefully scotty comes along then bringing in kate as well but this guy can defensively he can guard he's just like jd he can move his feet he can guard that one through five position he can switch on screens like we we sometimes do a lot um this is maybe once we get in the rotations this is a this is maybe a kid that could start along a Scotty if you wanted to do that, um, play a little bigger, but um, work on the improvement of that jump shot because he can knock down the 15-footer. And uh, if he works on the three ball, he has a decent stroke. So, um, yeah, out of nowhere, it was a head scratcher at first, but um, the upside and the potential that he could have along the way. Um, if you look at his quote, quote quoted tweets, of his commitment tweet, a lot of teams, like a lot of guys said this guy has uh, MVC player of the year upside. Um, so uh, you can watch out. Then uh, Andrew Slaughter did say um, that the Mullins brothers closed it out on an official visit on the Monday before he committed. So uh, it's good to hear that the staff is uh, closing out guys when they get on campus. We know we let Chris Payton get away, but we didn't let this kid get away. No, and I think the mutual, you know, interest in defense, I think if we if we can sell them, like we St. Peter's didn't have the best, like we we talked, I remember there were things galore on like how bad their facilities were and stuff. Like when he comes into the Banterra Center and you just see it, you're like, man, this is really cool. You pre you teach them on the history, you teach them on I think the defense is where they can join together and agree and then also sell them on playing time and uh Exactly. And it's good that we uh, didn't let him leave. As we like to say, you're right. We didn't do that with Chris, but 
we were looking because we knew he was so young and we're thinking how old was everyone else on St. Peter's and we, and pretty much every other big that played consistently on that team was an upperclassman. So it's like this kid played in 30 games was, I mean, good Lord. They had over, they had so many people playing so many games, even the one below Rupert played in 25. Other than that, it's 30 and up. He played in just about every single one. I noticed he didn't play in their conference tournament championship and never barely played. Now, I don't even know if he was in foul trouble 100% either. So it was weird, but he was so young that he was kind of just – Shaheen was just working him in. So he was still doing what he was doing and making impacts in these tournament games, being one of the youngest players on the team. So you said that people are saying he's got Valley Player of the Year. That is huge to say. I mean, just be, he's got to evolve his offensive game more. I can see him having defensive player of the years in his in his future, but – if other people are saying the player of the year, then obviously I want to believe that. That's all I wait and see. Like I said, it's kind of hard to believe, but Doug Eater was the guard that went to Bryant that I'm thinking of. He made his mark as well. That was this was, that was one of the best runs in the history of the NCAA tournament going as far as they did. Uh, it was just incredible. And like when you see him on that stage, that's what you need. And he'll be the most experienced in that room on the team. He'll be again one of the youngest players on the on our team. So it is crazy. And like the defense is well, the toughness in the defense. Uh, so we'll get to how Clarence fits along with all that. We'll, we'll talk about that again. So no, let's now let's dive into real quickly, Jawan, because we talked about him in the last one, some quick things uh, on how his fit was. We know he, he was her. We, we talked about that. And uh, it's almost like, as we know, seeing Shamar Gibbons, I don't know if we talked about that yet. That might be on our thing here. Shamar Gibbons is going to UTEP. So it was kind of weird that how close Jawan got to go in there. And we're thinking about how he had to, how maybe we settled knowing. Uh, well, well, actually, by the way, let's start off with saying Rupert came out of nowhere for the main thing is that we didn't think we had a scholarship available. We know AJ took the last scholarship on the team. No, and there were rumblings before. We'll talk about this real quick that maybe there's some rumblings, maybe that Ben Harvey clearly, because it's got to be his, because no one else that's been on the roster can leave at this point. You know, there's got to be a scholarship to fill, and we think we're overboard right now. There could have been something with Ben Harvey, right? There was something that we saw something with that, right, when Rupert committed. Yeah, obviously, Ben Harvey did go through graduation, so uh, you wonder what happened there. Uh, If that means medically that, He's going to – obviously, he can graduate any time, but uh, seeing him graduate and obviously everybody thinks the question marks of his health and if he would be able to play, and obviously that's the main main one that sticks out because the deadline has passed that if anybody enters the portal now, you have to sit out a year, so nobody's going to do that, so nobody else is leaving. So it's just really weird. Everybody points out that, it's got to be Ben Harvey, and that's what I think as well. Um, we've tried to reach out and get information uh, from a couple people, but nobody knows. That's the problem. So um, we're going to assume it's Ben Harvey right now because uh, of health reasons, which sucks because we know what he could have brought to this team. But, um, yeah, that should be his spot. Yeah, and that just made me think uh... – whether I'm, I'm pretty sure we're right on the whole scholarship thing, obviously. So it's like, I don't think we're wrong. So it's, he's got to be filling the spot that we, that's open that we just know, don't know about yet. It's got to be banned. That just reminded me of that. But back to Jawan, it's like, we know he's hurt. 
that it's almost like when you enter the portal, you can't really go anywhere else. We know the interest was there for him, but it's like the familiarity in the conference and stuff that we can afford. And that's why I mentioned with Ben's because like we're, we got depth to this point. It's like maybe we're filling in Jawan, whether he'll be ready right away or not, that it's like, why not take a chance on this on this guy, knowing that he's got the experience we would need once he's healthy. And if he is from the get go, then all this doesn't even matter. But just the fact that we'll take a chance on him in his final year to see what we can get out of him off injury because he can't go anywhere else. I think that that could be where it can be deemed a steal uh, for sure. And um, I was going to go through let, – let's go through because I didn't have it up at the moment. Let's go through his, uh, his game log because we know we can score. And I think we kind of discussed like the 30-point game he had against Akron. I just wanted to go quickly because we've been doing it against – or pretty much with everybody of, of the game logs that he had at some point this season before the injury kind of got to him. I almost got it up here, which by the way, I'm going to look how many points did he score in his career Only 828, uh, but injuries gotten his way. So let's go through this game log here. There were points where he had, I mean, Holy smokes. He had, okay. Five to start the season. Then he had 12, 10, 15, 10. And some of these are against Belmont. He had 10, uh, UCF, he had 10. He had that 30 against Rice in triple overtime. 16 against Vermont, who made the tournament. 19 against Akron. That's the game. 13 against EIU. He only had eight against us in 36 minutes, the game we beat them on the buzzer. Uh, and then 15, 15, 11, 21, 16, 13, 10. I mean, it just, just incredible scoring. And I just wanted to get, we knew he could score. I just wanted to go through the numbers again, how impressive that was. And we didn't mention, of course, it's the obvious. We know Jason Kent went to Indiana State, that he is the second, the, let's see here, the third in the last couple of years that transferred in conference when we thought we would never see it. We know Donovan did it and then them. So there is uh, all of that. No, you want to touch anything on Jawan? Or, or well, let's quickly dive into uh, the – um, the rotations because we got a DM from Alex Zimmerman, one of the guys who sends us the most DMs. We appreciate him, and he asked us about what the starting lineup and the rotation can first men off the bench with these additions. So let's dive into that, Noah. We'll, we'll start with how we, have, we talked about it because we were talking about when we got Clarence, what could the starting lineup be? And quickly say, not quickly, I guess, what the uh, we would want the starting uh, lineup to be potentially. Yeah, Mon. Uh not sure exactly what it's going to work out, but what I would do is I would start Xavier Lance and move Marcus to the three, start Troy at the four. He takes that next step. He gave valuable minutes uh, as a freshman, then start Clarence at that five spot. Then you can bring Jawan as that six man, that scoring off the bench. Him and Dalton can give Xavier and Lance uh, some rest, bring Scotty, um, to back up Clarence, uh, Foster, AJ, Trent uh, would be my next couple others off that bench. Then you have JD there. JD's gonna JD's gonna play some uh, some kind of minutes. Uh, then we all expect uh, Cade uh, to probably redshirt at this point, unless we decide to go a little bit bigger and uh, maybe start. Uh, a if Scotty takes that step, uh, start maybe Clarence at the four and JD or Scotty at the five, then JD can uh, give Scotty a rest off the bench and we can move Troy in there at the four, play a little smaller, 
Um, so uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, what I think they'll probably do is they'll probably start Xavier, Lance, Jawan, Marcus, and Clarence play a little smaller. That's what we like to do. So it'll be interesting. Um, I don't know what you think. Yeah, I know. And, and the thing with Clarence is you wouldn't sell him to not start. Like, but we're thinking, because I mean, JD, we, we thought no matter what, and we kind of had a film we were going to be on, in on a big, the more we were kind of in on him. Uh, and we'll get to one that actually stayed in conference, but we remember, uh, what's his name? Trey James, but we kind of had a feeling. And, and of course, this is the one that we wanted. I mean, the fact that what he just been through is perfect. So it's like thinking of JD, if he were to still start or if he were to come off the bench, we talked about it. It's like, man, we really rather have Rupert than JD. And JD, we never know what he could have been if he never got hurt. We talk about that season in general, but he was the first domino to fall injury wise. And he had a meniscus. So it's like his game could have easily overall changed with his injury. Who knows? But um, it's like if Rupert were to play over JD and we feel like we want Scotty to play over JD and just kind of like passing of the torch, you know, from veteran to young guys. And we want Cade to play. You mentioned how he's probably going to redshirt. And that's what it seems to be because you can't play four bigs. But that's where we said Rupert could play a four if you put Marcus at the three. Or, yeah, if you put Troy at the four, like there's so many things. And Troy's also, he falls into the category of a big. He's kind of a mix of both, clearly, but he he guards bigs and he does the dirty work. I mean, he's kind of falls into that category. So it's deciding that. And, J.D., if he came off the bench, we know we're going to need depth. Some people are going to deal with injuries. This year was kind of odd with our bigs and injuries and underproduction. But, yeah, I, I think Troy, we talked about how Troy kind of deserved to earn a starting spot anyway. Um, and because he's seasoned and unlike the other freshmen, but we don't need to be holding back Scotty and Foster anymore. Obviously we've heard good things and they need to play and that's where it's okay. Well, Ben Harvey's not in the mix. That means Jawan's in the mix and he's going to play and he very well, you said he could start definitely could. We know X Lance and Marcus are going to start it's filling up those final two spots and it could be Jawan and uh, Clarence and it could be Troy in there as well. A lot of possibilities a lot of things to iron out here in the summer because uh, we said, well, as Marcus, if we're going to keep him, if we're going to keep Marcus with the skill set that he's had, where it's back to the basket, you know, you know, passing, getting in the post and doing his move, or it's the stretching the floor more consistently. And it, he would have to be a three in that regard, but we know he's not great defensively and we need Marcus. If he plays the three or the four, he's going to have to guard a lot of tough players around the Valley. So, but that's where it makes up with adding a lot of these guys. And, it's Cade and Clarence, I think, could play the four because they're the only – Scotty can hit the main mid-range as well. It's really just J.D. that can't shoot, I suppose. So, Xavier and Lance wreaking havoc at the top two, and then Marcus in there along with either of the ones we just said. It's tough to say. We would like Troy to start. I agree with that, and Clarence to start. And J.D. coming off the bench because we mentioned how J.D. can kind of play two through five or guard two through five. Clarence, we're thinking, can even guard one through five. So, it's interesting. So – and we know we still have Dalton and Trent to, to uh, play roles as well uh, in the rotation. So we're talking about, and we'll get to Steven and where he went. It's like, we kind of wish others, and this is wrong to say to an extent, like we want if other, just in terms of fit with the current team and what we want to be moving forward, if other players would have entered than not, it is what it is. And, and we're liking how this team is shaping up, Noah. So final thoughts on what this rotation could be uh, in answering Alex's question. Yeah, it's definitely there's a 
several different ways the staff has the directions to go into. Um, obviously, once summer gets here and we'll get to see more of uh, probably get some summer workouts. Uh, I think we were discussing it uh, earlier today that it's usually early June, middle of June when the freshmen and transfers get here, um, get them going for summer workouts. Uh, yeah, obviously, I like the move and getting clearance, but um, obviously it's it's going to probably hurt the potential of Cade coming in right away and playing. So uh, that's going to be uh, – it's going to suck, especially – it's hard to sell a three-star guy that you got over some good programs to come in here. Hey, man, you're going to redshirt this year. Um, but uh, maybe that's uh, – he seems the, the guy that's going to buy in. Hopefully that's what he does because uh, um, we got some things. He's got to get in here and get his body right to be able to play at this level, um, put some a little bit of muscle on. and uh, his. But I just think he's an impact right away guy. So um, that's what I – I like to get of Clarence. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't say no to a guy like that, but obviously it's probably redshirt year for uh, Cade coming in. Yeah, and it's like they they knew what our team could be, and they knew Cade was coming in. Obviously, but it's like once they knew they could get Clarence, things could change. And you're right, we like to do small, and that's we're gonna have to get a lot more versatile, and that's. And Cade's going to have to run the floor a lot. If he does play, yes, bulk his body up. We know we can do that pretty well. So it's like I feel bad for him because he hasn't even been here yet to prove it in these, um, obviously, in summer workouts and stuff, to prove that he deserves to start, whether they have the mindset of wanting to redshirt him right away or not. Uh, he hasn't even been able to get in and you have to show that he can impact this season. So, um, yeah, it's all interesting. But I, I will say that I, I definitely think – that we got better defensively. You talk about how Kyler wasn't a defender. We mentioned Steven, and we said when we got Jawan that Steven was a better defender than Jawan. And we remember Steven when he got here. I remember just points last year where I can remember him being more impactful in certain aspects on defense than this year. We expected Cash to be that, as we've said. But Steven, he was fine defensively. And if we're comparing, uh, you know, Jawan was a way better scorer than Steven was this year. And he also had the same amount of defensive stats, you know, steals, blocks, all that stuff. Um, so I think we improved overall from Jawan to Steven player-wise. We know Steve – and Jawan's got more dog in him to want to score. We know Steven did not have that – have the want to be aggressive. We mentioned how we, maybe we were kind of holding him back. He was falling in line with what the team wanted to do offensively. But I think we honestly improved at that point with Jawan. So scoring, we mentioned – 11 with Cass, two with Kyler, and so on, six with Steven, and we add what we've had. We got better defensively because I think A.J. Ferguson's going to be that kind of defensive threat as well with Rupert, with Xavier, with Juwan, along with scoring uh, and adding four impactful guys, we're thinking. So I think we got better on both ends so far, and we know we're not going to add anybody else. So, um, so we'll dive into more of other players. Before we do that, Noah, let's talk about some other things here. I did notice – uh, which is a good thing. Just speaking of Lance Jones, saw him practicing in Northwestern's gym uh, around the middle of this month. So I just saw that and said that he's got that at his disposal, uh, being that he's from Evanston and that's where Northwestern is. Uh, yeah, it does question and wonder, like, heck, in a year they could be stealing from him if the portal's still as hot as it is. But the fact that he's being able to use that gym and just start working and be better, we mentioned how if Lance takes the next step in terms of 
every year he got better at something else. Shooting was last year. This year he was not a good shooter percentage-wise. This year his defense took an enormous leap. If he can put it all together, Noah, we're talking. You said Rupert has potential. We know Marcus will be one of the favorites for player of the year. Lance Jones, if he puts it all together, he will be the best guard in the Valley because we know he's got that potential in him already. So good to see him practice at Northwestern. I just wanted to add that in there because I saw it on his Instagram. Now, Noah, some other news that came out yesterday, something we've been wanting to hear about and see because we didn't know where we were going to fall in this because it was happening. Every other team was getting in on one. An MTE dive into the one that we got in yesterday. And it's, it's kind of, it's obviously it's kind of underwhelming. We'll talk about both sides of the brackets. Uh, there's some good teams in there, uh, but at least we're in one. It's just, I think it was a little too late. Maybe we just wanted to stay in the States. Like remember Brian told us before, Noah. So dive into this MTE. Yeah, it's uh, it's called the SoCal challenge. It's in the, uh, San Juan Capistrano out in California. Um, it's November 21st and 23rd. Um, it's a 18 multi-team event. Uh, um, it's one of those things where they divide it in two divisions. You'll play two, two games out there against your division, two teams in your division. Um, we did, we get confirmation. We are going to match up against UNLV first. So I assume then Minnesota will play Cal Baptist. I assume the winners will play each other uh, on the 23rd after the 21st game. Then you get a, a either a home or road game against uh, one of the other teams, and it will be Tennessee State um, coming, coming to the arena. Um, so another, um, which they're an OVC school, so it's interesting. I thought it was pretty, pretty underwhelming. I didn't know how it was going to work out, but um, UNLV um, hasn't been anything close to what they were back in the day. But Minnesota has got some good transfers uh, with the new coach and Ben Johnson. So um, hopefully we can uh, see what happens. So if we can win against UNLV, we get a good challenge against a Big Ten school. Um, so it's an all right. I mean, it, it matches up. Um, we can uh, talk about our other confirmed games and our non-con already um, after you get your thoughts on our uh, SoCal challenge. Yeah, Minnesota saves it. I mean, that's bottom line. Whenever you told me about it, it was it was just very underwhelming, and they took this long, and that's why I said maybe they were one to know they wanted to stay in the United States that – I'm not gonna. I don't think they put it off. It's just interesting because this is just the one that falls into their lap, and we know UNLV well. Yes, it's we are one and four all time against them, and we just know about it. We know cash is from there. We know the whole. We know about them a lot, and they're they're a nice program. And then yeah, Minnesota as obviously fighting Illini fans as well. We know about Minnesota. They're kind of lowly have been. We know they had Richard Patino. He's not there. You mentioned the new coach, but they've had some talent. We know. Uh, What's his name from Drake was there uh, a couple years ago. Liam Robbins was his name. Liam Robbins was there. So I mean, they're they're a bottom tier Big Ten team, but they're obviously just a big team team overall. So like I said, that that saves it. California Baptist, not all that familiar with it, but other than that, I mean, it, it, it's fine. I mean, we want to be in the ones where we played because we had so much success in this past one that. 
we wanted to be kind of like that again. And the fact that Minnesota is in it saves it. But um, they mentioned how we were one and two all time against Minnesota. We played them in MTE in Orlando in 06. And Brian was our point guard then. So we have a little bit of history with them. Brian said, we're excited to be part of a tremendous field in the SoCal Challenge. I look forward to seeing Saluki Nation out in the beautiful coast of California. Southern California supporting our program the week of Thanksgiving. And also apparently this uh, is known for being it's praise for its high energy. This event does from recording from last season, professional event management, beautiful location, according to organizers, press release. We mentioned how if it was in Florida, we would have tried to get there again, just in general, California. It's okay. Might let that one slide. And then they had something about uh, Steve Barnes, founder and co-executive director of SoCal Challenge. Teams and fans alike loved the first SoCal Challenge. We had a packed venue for both nights and are grateful that we were accepted by the college basketball media. As we'd been around forever, making sure we reach millions of people, this year's lineup of teams will be just as competitive and exciting. And it says national television clearances and tournament tickets packages will be announced at a later date, which is good. Because obviously if we don't go in general, people that don't go – and hopefully we'll be on TV. We knew we got to stream the Paradise Jam this past year, and it was it, it was what it was as a broadcasting thing, but it was fine, and we did what we did there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a price for high energy, and it's a, it's a good little tournament. I mean, overall, it is underwhelming, but uh, it is one nonetheless. Obviously, we, we'd rather be in one than not. We just got to make sure we can win it. We have a feeling we can, even against those teams, so. We'll see how it all plays out. What did you say before that about non-con? Yeah, we'll dive through along with this and what our other uh, non-con games could be, you think? Is that what you mentioned? Yeah, we have a – there's a – yeah, just thinking uh, there's – I know that there's a couple confirmed, but uh, just to dive into a little bit more, uh, that was the uh, SoCal Challenge was broadcasted on CBS Sports Network last year, so that could be more television times for – got Saluki fans that don't want to make the trip out there um and just a little about UNLV um Kevin Kruger is their new coach he got hired last year um they should be a decent program this year along with Minnesota um they have Jordan McCabe a lot of people know him from his high school days uh big highlights he was a West Virginia guy um he's in there his second year there they have four, former four-star Donovan Williams. He'll be only a sophomore there. And uh, they brought in some couple transfers. Elijah Harkless, um, he was at Oklahoma with Porter Moser last year. Elijah, Elijah Parquette, um, Colorado transfer who we played last year. Um, Luis Rodriguez and the Ole Miss transfer. Um, Jackie Johnson is a port guard, has a lot of eligibility from Duquesne. Then Isaiah Cottrell, another West Virginia guy who we were in on, contacted, a 6'10 big man. So they should have a decent program. And like I said, they CBS Sports Network last year. So um, we know we had a hard time last year uh, for it being on, not on TV for Saluki fans. So uh, um, hopefully we can get on TV this year. For sure. And that's good. That's an easy, accessible uh, TV program. Like I said, ESPN plus last year. So in the end, it, it, it's, it's quality in the end. We just got to make sure we can go in there and beat those kinds of teams. You're right. You know, it'll be fun to dissect those teams when we get to that point. So we definitely, because we've been looking at that, that's been a big topic of ours to find out what, uh, what we were going to be in. And that's good to know now. So now I know moving on, uh, as we knew, we kind of had a we, – we saw on social media, I think, that this was going to happen. Uh, Brian was on 
the I and Win podcast, which is a uh, a pod. I'm trying to think of what the dude's name was. I think I had it and I lost his name. Is uh, Luke Mertens? He has it to talk about. He has teachers, coaches, and entrepreneurs on just to talk about certain things, and it's good. And we had a, we knew Brian was going to be on. It was just when it was from May 17th. So everybody go on all platforms. I'm sure the I and Win podcast know some things that stuck out or it says about what they talked about. Uh, finding balance between personal and professional life. He mentioned Brian talked about his, you know, obviously with having a young child, it's changed everything about his life, but he, he mentioned his routine and everything, which was getting there really early and getting back really late. You know, the whole thing of how, what coaches do go through. They talked about how he learned from Porter and talked about Loyola's run. That was crazy and how much he enjoyed that NIL, the portal recruiting today's athlete, building a program, and he went back to talk about who the best tooper in Chicago was. I think he said Derrick Rose. You can't go against that. He mentioned some other ones. Uh, so, no, I'll let you dive in. Just to what you took away from it, I have something here with something we can mention, but is anything that stuck out from you and anything that you said if you listened to it? Yeah, just the the way the, the questions he was asked and the process um, of an everyday college basketball coach, obviously the guy that – was interviewing him as a high school coach and what it goes through and just asking the whole recruiting process and the day-to-day by day-to-day process of what Brian does and how, what happens. Then he was just asking them the whole recruiting process, how to, what should high school coaches tell kids um, to get noticed by these schools and all that stuff. Um, a really good listening. If you guys have not listened to it yet, go check it out. Um, it's worth the time. Yeah, he was talking about how, especially when, because we've thought about this, obviously, and it happens everywhere. It's like, how do you sell players on, you know, coming to a program that haven't had, like, the true success yet that everyone strives for? And it, it's a great question, because I would think that that would be the hardest thing to do. You know, we talk about how, what can you sell here? Like, he mentioned NIL. What kind of NIL do we have here in Carbondale? Like, I think it's not the local. It'd be, like, anything else, like, uh, you know, that's not really that huge. Carbonell's a, a nice university town. We know it's taken ahead. There's been a lot of just overall is like a place you want to be in general, geographical wise. And yeah, I mean, we haven't had, we haven't been in the tournament in 15 years and, you know, building on this new era and people enjoying the facilities. Like it's all about what you sell guys on and how you sell them on. Like how Brian said, all these guys were adding is they all want to get into the NCAA tournament. That's of course the goal. He just says that, you're getting the guys to believe that there is no other way to do, um, you know, specifics of what a program is asking for or what they want to do uh, when a success hasn't been there to show them yet. He said student athletes want to see how a title is produced, doing research to recruit the families because going to because there's going to be adversity. He said and recruiting the families is obviously the biggest thing, building those relationships, as we know. Uh, it just, it's, it's cool to see his perspective being first time head coach in this first however many years and what his perspective is he, Brian's so smart he can give these great answers and this was a, a good back and forth that they had discussing how it is to be successful and to be competitive he said that the program and players have the same belief uh when you go through adversity it's like it, it's going to happen that you need to have the same goals and like whether it's to win or just to do things the right way and we know that's what they want to do here and uh Mention that because he talked about the guys we have now that we have the continuity here right now. And he's excited for the next couple of years, obviously with the guys we have cemented and they all, we 
all the players and throughout the program think the same way and what they want to do. So it is a great list. And we do advise people to go the I and win podcast. Brian was on May 17th. You'll find it there on the platforms. It's a great about hour long episode discussing a lot of things. So we wanted to touch on that. Now, I know you, you mentioned Ben Harvey. He did graduate. Let's congratulate the guys that did as well. We know Saku, who is headed to Colorado to play at division two program. We wish him the best. Like I said, we know he's been through a lot, and it's cool to see him get this degree for how long he's been here, and he's earned every bit of it. Um, we will miss a coup. Anthony, also, we, we remember talking about what these guys, uh, you know, careers were or what um, uh, wasn't Anthony working on a master's, I believe, and all of this stuff. Will, Will Keller is an unbelievable student. So, uh, you know, his future and whatever he'll do will be bright. And you mentioned Ben. We didn't see Ben. Brian posted a picture with Saku Anthony and Will. Didn't see Ben. <laughs> I think, excuse me, I think that's what shows uh, what he's going through maybe. But, no, that's, that's cool to see because um, happened in every sport of graduation, but seeing these guys be the student athlete part, I mean, that, obviously that's all that matters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, appreciate so much what those guys have done for this program. Uh, Saku sticking through the tough times and what he's been through, um, not being able to go home because of a pandemic, uh, the injuries he's had, sticking through a coaching change. Um, with the way the transfer portal is, it's so easy to just go up and leave uh, where you're at. And Anthony, for the two years, I know last year wasn't the way we wanted it with injuries and the COVID illness. You know. Then Will being a walk-on coming here, the local kid, um, putting in the work day-to-day -day practice and getting in games and getting the the play and the ovation he deserves. And, yeah, we don't know the future of Ben Harvey, but um, we know what he could have been if he could have been healthy. Uh, we saw it at the Arch Madness uh, two years ago when he put 28, 28 points against Bradley, the scoring ability he had. Um, he came here. He, he was one of uh, the first guys to come here with Brian. Um, had to sit out a year because of the transfer. But, um, yeah, like you said, they were student athletes. These guys, these four were part of the highest GPA in team history. So uh, um, they're students first. The the coaches, coaching staff preaches that. And uh, it's part about how we recruit kids here. Um, you're not just an athlete. you got to have students too. So uh, congratulate to those guys. Uh, wish them the best. Um, hopefully Ben maybe can somehow stick around, but um, if that is what we've seen from those four, um, best of luck. Um, like you said, Saku going D2, hopefully he can have a strong, healthy season. Um, Anthony, um, whatever he's pursuing, um, Will, um, like you said, he, he's a very smart kid, then hopefully Ben can figure out his health situation, um, maybe find somewhere else to play, or if he has to wrap it up, he has a degree so he can go pursue whatever he wants to do. Bingo. And we said that um, <clears throat> Ben could easily just take a year off, like where he's not on scholarship. And he, because we know Chucky Sullivan did this with football, where he enters and Ben hasn't entered the portal, but like you, you leave and then you know you can't go anywhere else off an injury you deal with and you decide to come back. And it could just be a sit out year for him. Like we said, that's all the wait and see. So, yes, congrats and good luck to all those men. Uh, now, I know we know Stephen. For Plankin, uh, entered the portal out of nowhere at the end of April. Definitely took us by surprise. He barely, he did it just a couple of days before that deadline. 
We talk about how the reasons why he left. It's, it's all strange, but we found out where he's headed. Weber State. We know Damian Lillard's from there. We know we beat them in football in the playoffs last spring. We know a little bit about them, obviously. And one thing about them is their head coach retired about on, on it was about May 16th, which was weird because it was a couple of days. Stephen posted, posted where he, or I guess it was, yeah, early this month he committed there, had the pictures and everything posing. And then it was shortly after their coach retired. So I remember just us talking like, whoa, like I wonder if this could have any impact on Stephen. But then they said that, you know, or a tweet confirmed. I think somebody that just follows Weber State basketball said they confirmed that he is staying committed. That kind of was a, just an out of nowhere thing that their coach retired. I'm sure he was blindsided as well. But no, Weber State, whether he thinks he wants to be the next Damian Lillard, I don't know. Just in general, that we know that's a great uh, or a, a nice spot for him to go. And we're obviously we wish Stephen the best. We knew Illinois State and all those teams went on. Glad he didn't come to the Valley. Stephen was one of our favorites. We wish him luck at Weber. Yeah, it's uh, hopefully um, the rumors that he wasn't really comfortable in this offense and uh, hopefully he can be more comfortable there. Uh, seeing their coach uh, retire, who was the one that coached Damian Lillard and then been that, at that program since 2006. Um, I, haven't, I haven't seen that they have hired um, anyone yet. So uh, um, hopefully whoever it is that Steven can uh, – stay there and uh, have a really good season, finish off his career um, in a year or two. For sure. Um, so now, Noah, let's get into some of the new interest. Before that, though, just someone that we know we've been in on, took a visit. We've been talking about him, Jordan Mitchell from uh, Northeast – or, sorry, he's from – Tara Roberts went to the same JUCO. Say it again, I'm blanking on Florida Southwestern State. Florida Southwestern State. He is returning for that second year. That kind of is – we have, like, the main news. And I think that is one because we thought we were going to land him. Obviously not in this current class, but it is now. He's going back, which is best for him, going back to get that extra year in JUCO. To, that might not mean that we'll land him. It's just someone we're interested in because he very well could just continue to take off and get bigger looks, which we're thinking that will be the case. Yeah, most definitely. Um, didn't get the looks he wanted this go around. Did make a visit here. Um, so if, if a spot opens up, that could be a guy we go after next year. Um, but assuming he has a bigger year and, uh, get some better looks, um, so he can end up where he wants to be. So let's dive in now to the new interests. And honestly, the one, since we last talked, there were some, but they've all committed elsewhere. We will dive into those, Noah, but there's one that we know is still, available like we said this doesn't really matter anymore with who we've added but just the ones because we haven't talked about it we don't have to go into detail about them but Darius Hughes an Omaha transfer uh, we liked him obviously before we landed these guys uh, being an option he is just one the nine and four per game as a junior at Omaha we liked him uh, if you want to touch on him, you can but dive into now there I mean, it's the list that we made in the thread about two months ago definitely has trimmed down and like I said, we're fine how we are as a team-wise, but just going through the fact that about 90% of it or more, they've committed elsewhere. Yeah, Darius would have been a that get instead of A.J. most likely. Um, he had teams like Austin P, UT Martin, Kent State after him. Um, he's from the Kansas City area, so um, be interesting. He would have been a decent add to that wing spot um, if we got one. Um, but, yeah, some, some guys of it. Ended elsewhere. 
Uh, more local ties. Kurt Lewis from Eastern Kentucky ended up at John A. Logan, yet they've yet to hire a coach. So that's after Smith Peters leaving for Missouri. So that's interesting how he would just come here. He's a Louisville guy, and the Louisville guys have ran through that program and made it is what it is. So it's interesting. Chandler Baker, a D2 transfer, uh, is headed to play in the Patriot League um, at Colgate. So that'll be interesting. I'm not sure how much he was on our radar. Um, just going through our three. He was, he was just the most recent yeah. one that we saw a couple weeks ago. Um, just trying to think who else have committed here in the last couple. Um, we'll, we'll save the biggest one that we know of. We'll wait yeah, on I was one. waiting for the in-conference um, guy. Um, Alex, yeah, or two of them, yeah, for sure. Alex Anderson ended up at Alabama State. Um, that was one that also could have been a wing type player. Um, just guys going through our thread here. Munir Ima is headed to Syracuse. I think we may have talked about that one last time. Um, one that there was a little bit of chatter on, um, Taj Small. Um, he is headed to um, – where was he headed to? I forgot now. Yeah, I know. That's one that we uh, we should have made a tweet about him, I guess, today. I guess we haven't done it on him yet. Um, he committed the other day um, to – let me look at my spreadsheet here real quick, see if I have okay. – Javon Hadley. Javon Hadley we know was at Indian Hills. He was an interesting one. We are like, well, if we can't get Chris, we might segue to Javon Hadley. He is headed to Colorado, which I remember tweeting that we beat them. So go ahead and go there. We, we saw Tyler Batty, right? He was staying in the NBA draft process. So um, just speaking of Colorado. Yeah. Um, um, I can't find where Tosh Small. I know he went somewhere um, the other day. I forgot to tweet about him, honestly. But, oh, Utah Valley. Speaking of Utah Valley, um, we there was no interest shown out there on Twitter or anything, um, but uh, Cam Alford, a little guard from Johnny Logan, is headed to Utah Valley as well. So um, that's another one. Alan Mukiba, um, the Colby Community College guy, he's headed to UMKC. He signed there the other day. Um, Haven't made a tweet about him either. Yeah, we've been um, busy at Quay Grant's going to Sam Houston State, Wichita transfer. We've talked about Devontae Hall. At a high school, he's going to Indian Hills, so they can add a talented player like that. Caleb Fuller is headed to Montana State. He's really good in football, but Montana State's pretty good. Uh, that was the team that just made the tournament. Um, and there were some things on somebody quoted and said something on that tweet about Caleb. Caleb was one that we had good eyes on. And then Montre Gibson going to Charlotte and the Conference USA, Charlton State transfer. I believe that's all of me. Yeah, you, you said Alex Anderson. That would have been a nice one. Uh, and like we said, we'll save the other two for – I don't think we missed any more. Like we will add to those tweets because there have some, been some players that we forgot there. Um, uh, we've been in contact with 2023 6-1 guard. Uh, I just saw his name, Keyshawn Hampton. So it'll be, I mean, that's, we talk about 2023 all the time and what, what, you know, who, oh, by the way, sorry. Uh, AJ McGinnis went to Lipscomb. He was a Cincinnati guy. Interesting one, but yeah, Keyshawn Hampton, Furman, Western Carolina, North Florida, 
and some other smaller schools. Got a good GPA. He uh, is on our 2023 radar now. Wasn't there another one? No, I think his name was Joey Hart. Yeah, there's Joey Hart, six, a six-five guard. Um, then also 2023 guard Luke Luther Smith took a visit on May 13th. Um, so uh, those are some 2023 guys. We're um, starting to look that way. Well, obviously. Um, on the 2023 radar, um, if you look into next year, the Ruben twins are high on our list, along with Desmond White, which we'll probably get out of our um, grasp, be able to get him. But Dallas Roberts, also another one. Um, then, like on the 2022, um, former Lance Jones teammate in high school, Ola Ajaboye, uh, took a prep route, uh, went committed to Central Michigan. Um, we had some late interest in him, I guess. So, uh, um, interesting. Um, there's a lot, a lot to go. We're excited about the 2023 season. I know when Brendan had his interview, it'd be interesting to see what happens there. Um, what kind of recruiting happens, honestly, at, at this rate, we don't know how many spots we'll have because with the COVID, I mean, if Lance Jones and Marcus decide not to use it, we expect them to. Um, that means we probably won't have very many spots left. We know Jawan will be have one, so we at least have one maybe. Um, not sure maybe we'll have. So it's interesting to see what happens um, for the 23 season. Yeah, you're right. We, we've talked about, yeah, Jawan's final spot. That is a guaranteed. And we know the portal, if it continues to be crazy in a season, from now, which we're thinking it probably will be that the door might open for someone else to leave. And there's always going to be spots open potentially. It happens every year. We know that. So it is a wait and see, but we're glad we're in on 2023 talents. You mentioned the Ruben brothers. Those are the ones I think we got to eye and most, but they're at the position that we might not need Marcus and Lance. They better finish out their careers here. And that is all a hope as well. So we'll see how it all plays out. So now, no, let's dive into the very important Valley news because we know, we're big fans of March to the Arch, so we like to – and when they don't have stuff, we like to have it for ourselves that people can um, go to and know about. That's happening around the Valley because, obviously, we always want to know because that's who we face in the long run. So, no, let's dive into the first. Player-wise, we will get to, but let's start off with the biggest news, arguably, that hit just in a couple days ago, and you mentioned how there going to be a press conference for this guy. Noah Evansville hired a new coach to dive into this guy. Yeah, David Ragland um, will be the 16th head coach in Evansville Purple Aces history. Like I said, 6 p.m. tonight on ESPN Plus. So um, if anybody wants to, if they do, yes, that's weird how it's being broadcasted on that. Um, but in a coaching career that spanned nearly two decades, uh, Ragland's experience has contributed to an impressive group of programs that include Butler, Utah State, Valparaiso head coaching at Vincennes, Juco, Northern Kentucky, Bowling Green, Indiana State, and Frank Phillips College. He joins the Evansville program after one year, one year stint as an assistant at Butler. He was going to remain there under Thad Mata, um, but um, he is the new – he is from Evansville. He is a uh, Harrison High School uh, product, just like Walter McCarty was. He was the runner-up to – the job when Walter McCarty got it. So um, he is 41. So he's a younger guy. Um, I think they got this right a lot. I know a lot of 
Evansville fans and burner accounts wanted Tom Crane. It just wasn't going to happen. I think they got the right guy. For sure, and we'll dive into their team and if they've added players. We know they have over the course of this, um, and we're thinking that most will stick around. I, I think it's a nice hire, too, the fact that he's from there um, and he did want the job. You mentioned McCarty, and well, McCarty probably only got the job. Well, he was coming from the Celtics staff, and he's, he's a big name, played at Kentucky back in the day and stuff, that he probably had the edge with him. I'm sure they know each other, too. They're around the same age. So um, it's good to see his – hard work paying off and getting this point. And the reason why he got the job clearly was because Todd Licklider was finally fired about, I'd say close. I'm not, not a month ago. It was like two or three weeks ago or a little around that. We know they hired an athletic director and he got on the search to get this guy. You mentioned where he's been. Yes. He's going to be on Tad Mata's staff, which is crazy thinking that he is there. Greg Odin's on that staff and some other former players. So it is cool. And the fact that they stay in state and they do get their guy we were just in Evansville Monday night for an event and just knowing the town and how uh, how a great place it'd be to live and to sell recruits. I mean, we were at the Ford Center. That place is a great place to watch a basketball game. They have arguably the best – they do, actually. There's no the, – they have the best arena in the Valley to play in just because it's the biggest and it's the most legit. So they have things to sell people on. And it would be a job people would want, not a Tom Crean, though, because he's – He's been there, done that. Why would he want to stoop to a program that's not in a great state right now? So he's filling in and taking this from Lake Lighter, which rightfully he was canned, like I said, a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, a guy that's been around and has that young age, as you said. So, yeah, we're thinking that'll probably work out for them in the long run as well. He will have his hands full in this first year, as we know. Stuff always is in the first year. So that was obviously the biggest news of it all. Uh, now, no, let's dive into former players from the Valley. We know a lot of them have committed elsewhere. There's a couple that are still on the fence of what they're going to do. Let's dive into those two-star players from the Valley that are looking to do big things elsewhere. Yeah, the first one, obviously, the player, the player of the year in A.J. Green. Um, he was at the G League Elite Camp. And he also He's also talking and made a visit to Duke and also is talking to Iowa State where his dad is on the staff. Um, and I believe Elliot Klo, the one of the beat writers for you and I, has had talks with him and he said you and I is still in the picture. That's why you see you and I has made no moves this offseason. They have two spots available. They're holding it home for their two guys and AJ Green and Offson five to make a return. Um not sure how to make a return. I mean, Iowa State, I'd go there if I was him. Not sure how well he'd fit in that Duke under a new coach and all the five stars coming in. Obviously, he wouldn't get the looks in the ball in his hand as much as he would at Iowa State or even, obviously, at UNI. So, interesting one. Then Isaiah Mosley, he, he tested the waters. Um, he's visiting Mississippi State. Also, we've seen a lot of other teams – uh, I know Kansas is involved. His former high school teammate and Dewan Harris is there. I mean, if the if the reigning national champs come calling, it's hard to say no. For sure. And to AJ, real quick, he can't possibly come back to you and I. It's like either Ben Jacobson's holding on to the fact that he could come back. Yeah, he hasn't done anything, and that's what makes him think he needs to get with the transfer portal program. We know Fife is on the fence. I think as well. And we know the players that they continue to have, and they like to stay in, like, the Iowa 
in the Iowa, Minnesota area, he's got to change with the times. We know he's a great coach and he'll make it work no matter who they have. But if you're holding on to dear life that he's going to come back to save you, I can understand it. But if you're AJ, you can't because, yeah, he was at the elite camp, the G League camp, to know that he was on the cusp of the NBA and then he won another player of the year. He's he's arguably the all-time great. And he has a year of eligibility. He could do even more if he did. He's not going to. If I was him, definitely would not. Iowa State, who we saw Isaiah Brockington's officially staying in the league. We know uh, Hunter left. And we know they got Jeremiah Williams, who we thought we were going to hopefully land a couple years ago. And they were just in the tournament. It's only right he goes there. I think that's where he will go. If he stays in the league, it's not a mistake. He could be talented and be in the G League and work his way up. You never know. And if Duke's calling, you can't – it's hard to turn Duke down, and that's what we've said with Antonio. You can't really pass up Kentucky, and we're thinking he's going to play a lot there. So it won't be Duke because, yeah, they will be star-studded. A lot of freshmen, they'll be the oldest on that team, and he could very well score on that squad. But Iowa State will probably be where he goes. Hopefully that's where he goes. Hopefully he does not stay. He shouldn't. And then Isaiah – you're right. You've said a couple times, and I forget that he was teammates with Harris. Um, and because Kansas is losing guys to the draft officially, they got good freshmen. That if Isaiah goes there, he'll be a he'll be a stud for them. We're thinking. And, um, yeah, you can't turn down the national chance. Mississippi State. Um, it's crazy. We'll talk about Missouri State some more. Who they've added that they just kicked Isaiah out the door, which is insane. Um, but he will go somewhere good. And we'll we'll be looking forward to following both of them, and we will obviously cover it down the road finding out where they did end up go so that's all wait and see uh i know some other teams here before we dive into certain teams and what they did drake officially confirmed right that all their main guys we know uh tramel murphy and uh tank Hemphill are officially gone they're way too old they're around my age probably um and but we know the guys they had returning and that got confirmed and they make a tweet that confirmed that and they added a guy d2 transfer diving him yeah they uh they did confirm that roman penn dj wilkins garrett sturts darnell brody will be back um they also we've talked about him before sadar calhoun texas tech florida state guy um will be coming in then they added a six nine big man eric uh northweather a from um, Jefferson City, Missouri. He was a D2 transfer from Truman State. Um, another big man that could come along there and back up Brody. Um, I believe Truman State did play Indiana State this year, and I believe he had 20 points against them. So uh, Indiana, Indiana State knows what this guy's capable. So uh, um, they were another team that had a lot coming back, obviously. They have Tucker degrees, obviously coming back with those guys. So they didn't have a lot of, obviously they had that midseason Calhoun coming in as well. So not a lot of spots. They redshirted some freshmen. Um, Connor Enright, who is Scotty Abube's teammate, who we were in on, um, and a couple other guys like Bryson Burns, Nate Ferguson. Obviously get Issa Samake back. Okay, is Okai is still there? So um, not a lot of room to add there, and they have a a good solid uh, will loving Watts of six, five forward coming in as well. So um, DeVries is doing what he does added a transfer or two. And uh, with that many guys returning, it's hard to add to that. Yeah. We've talked about how losing Murphy and tank that kind of takes a lot of their toughness away, even though we know I'm sure this kid they're bringing in is tough. And you mentioned Calhoun, which 
sometimes I forget that they add him because that that was so long ago before their season ended. Pretty sure that it was, you know, it was so long in between that they added stuff. And you're right, they had guys coming off injury. You mentioned Enright. As we know, they'll be picked at the top or around the top of the valley for sure. Um, interesting to see how they will be with losing those two tough guys. But adding this kid, you're right, Indiana State dropped 20 on them. He's a nice player, nice score. He will add perfectly to what they got going there. A scary threat the Bulldogs are. Now, no, let's dive into what Murray State has done. I guess now should be the right time that we echo and talk about the irony again. We talked about the irony with uh, – uh, DeMarco Minor, who we were kind of we were we were interested in, knew nothing about him, goes to Edwardsville of all places, and now no, let's dive into Brian Moore. Of course, our number one target from the get go, really he was. We thought we could land him. There were just rumblings. I mean, he liked tweets about SIU for months and months. We didn't know where he was going to go. Big offers from bigger schools. No, he goes to Murray State. I watched the uh, Instagram live he had about a week ago discussing it. Uh, it was a really meaningful place that he was at when he made his decision. And he's a really well-spoken kid, and he's a great player, as we know, All-American. Um, it's just, like I said, the irony of him going in conference and to Murray State is like, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's it's crazy to see, obviously. Um, we thought we had no chance with when West Virginia and South Carolina came calling, but obviously – um, maybe we're still in the race, and uh, maybe we backed off a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it goes there to add to what Steve Prom has done with that roster. Um, it's crazy to see. He's going to be a great player. To go along with Belmont transfer Jacoby Wood, who had big major looks. Uh, Quincy Anderson, a D2 guy that scored um, high teens uh, points per game. Rob Perry, I mean – coming from Stetson, Jamari Smith, another transfer coming in from uh, Division II Queens, New York, who uh, was had his names in the NBA draft waters. Um, they returned DJ Burns. Um, they have Marlon Leston, a 6'9 forward, coming in as well from East Carolina. Kenny White Jr. from Tennessee uh, Tech coming in. And with a loaded class and Braxton Stacker, who we rear in on. Jackson Edwards, who's re-signed with them after the coaching change, he decommitted. Justin Morgan, a 6'5 guard coming in. Patrick Q, another guy. And just on the cherry on top the other day, they land four-star Six nine forward Sam Murray the second um, to to end basically their recruiting. I mean, this kid had UNLV, LSU, Baylor, Mississippi State, Missouri, Texas, Cincinnati, Texas A and M, and he's now coming to the Valley. It's just unreal what the Steve Prom and his staff has done. Kind of at a loss for words because. You're right. And you're right. Jamari Smith, D2 player, took his name out of the waters. We saw that today, the whole list of all the players around the country. I mean, I remember saying just because how great this past year Murray State's team was undefeated, great players that are pretty much all going to LSU, Tevin Brown's going to the league. It would be hard to replicate what they did from that standpoint of just dominance. They should have beat St. Peter's. We know that was a close game, but just going undefeated in the OVC. That was the OVC. This, you know, I wonder what that team would have done in the Valley and against Valley teams this past year. That team was so dominant. Like I said, great players that knowing that Prom had been here already at Iowa State, he knows what the high-level recruiting is like, and they get lucky. We talked about his salary. It's kind of like you're getting a bargain with them, and he comes back and brings this kind of talent in. 
it's incredible. So it'll be interesting to see how he feeds all the, or all these mouths to feed with all this talent. Um, they are very scary. They will be picked around the top just because they're new. I wonder where they could be. We've talked about that, how Drake, because they're returning a lot of their guys and they were near, near the top will be there. You and I, who knows us um, around that because we've kept the majority. So we're talking about these new teams that add completely new teams where they could be picked, but they will be a top three Valley team this year because of this talent. You're right. We thought we could maybe be on Jackson Edwards. He did recommit to, as you said, adding these four-star guys. It's, we talked about how we were talking about how uh, what the award season could look like. And that's a far ways away from this discussion fully, but we're talking about how Tucker ran away with the freshman that what this freshman class could be, because the portal has hurt freshmen around the country. As we know, we have Kate who knows with him and we'll decide about what other teams have to offer as well. But Murray state has the deepest class coming in this past year and a lot of talented kids. So like I said, a lot of mouths to feed. We're wanting to see how all those freshmen play. Jacoby Wood, you said, yeah, he had a lot of big interests. It's interesting to see how, because he was kind of, he was a good player for Belmont, but it was weird to see. That just shows how talented he is with those big looks. Uh, so, and Rob Perry was a 20-point scorer at, at Stetson. So, and then Brian Moore on top. It's incredible what they've done. And Prom has done an incredible job. They did what Dennis Gates did and even what Javon Maman did when we got uh, Rupert. He kind of had a gift that kind of signaled things were on the horizon, and that's what the whole Murray State staff does. We'll send the, the horse emoji on Twitter to let them know what's happening. And we knew kind of Brian Moore. I remember you said before that you had a rough, uh, inkling that Brian Moore was going to go there, and that's exactly what he did. <clears throat> they are scary 100%. And there's no other way around that. Uh, so that'll – dissecting them more down the road, we will. Matt McMahon actually had – I don't have it in front of me. I just have it on here that he did thank Murray State for everything a couple days ago. It was a nice heartfelt thing. We know he's headed to Murray or headed to LSU and taking all those Murray guys with him. Uh, so that was a nice post. And then Noah, that's it with Murray's side of everything. Let's talk about Illinois State because they're another interesting team that has added a few. Let's talk about the other one that we were in on late. He was one of the, like the last three or four we were in on in the interest wise. Let's talk about him and some other players they added. Yeah, uh, Joe Petros, the Western Carolina guy. Uh, former walk-on at Kansas State and JUCO player. Crazy, crazy to think that we would be in on him. And now um, he ends up in conference. Uh, one of our uh, rivals, in-state rivals, um, averaged eight points, eight points a game, finished top ten in the, in the Southern Conference and blocks. Um, that helps them big-wise. Um, they, I believe it was yesterday, they came out with a thread that said, meet your 2022-23 Redbirds. Um, their roster is Luke Kazabuki, um, who I really wanted and wanted him out of high school. He went to Kansas State out of the out of St. Louis and Chaminade High School. Luke is there. Malachi Pondexter um, from Virginia, He's he is the point guard. They landed BYU transfer Seneca, Wall, or Seneca Knight, um, 6'6 guard. Um, they convinced Austin Andrews return. So they have him and Joe plus Liam McChesney and um, uh, forget his name, Alex Kodoff also along with Ryan Schmidt. So they're, they're bigs or they could be playing big this year. Then they got Darius Buford, um, a bowling book native from Elon. They have an assistant coach that came from Elon. Um, they also have Nick's, 
Thidelman, a Rockford native. Uh, I believe he's a walk-on. They added, they added Colton Sandage from Western Illinois. We talked about him, what he can bring. They got Kendall Lewis still. Corona Cisco, who is a is a freak that didn't get to play a lot, but has an athletic body. Jaden Johnson, who we had a um, we were in on after Barry, he hit, he eventually came back as well. Uh, Malcolm Miller is still there, so uh, Ryan Padon and his staff put a, together a pretty solid um, pretty solid roster here. Exciting to see what happens with them. Um, under first-year coach Ryan Peden. Um, a lot of talent with a lineup. If they start a lineup of Darius Buford, Luke Casabuque, Seneca Knight, Kendall Lewis, and one of the big men, I mean, that that's that's mid, mid-conference, if not better, lineup. Yeah, for sure. And we talked about how Peden, Luke as an example, that he recruited him to go to Ohio State. So that's where – the ties were, which obviously is an advantage and benefits. Uh, yes, we would have rightfully he, – he will dominate the conference. That's how good he is. Um, so, yeah, he, he has done a wonderful job. We know Dan Dogovich's son is on his staff, and he also hints at moves that they're making. He makes a gift, an Illinois State gift or something. So, Seneca Knight, I think, is interesting because he's that perfect – he's that blend of that for, forward and versatility that we're going to have to have – that we're going to have fits with, and that's why we need to – prepare for something like that he will be interesting Petrakis is like I said because we didn't we knew we were going to be on a big we had that inkling that whenever he came available he just noticed that he didn't rebound and he was a shooter which would have been great to have obviously for sure and knowing that if we were going to add a big we would have accepted him but we didn't think we were truly going to and then we ended up with Rupert obviously and yeah ironic ironic again that he goes to Illinois State but they have done a good job. They lose those twins. I wonder what kind of impact that could have in the long term if they were talented enough. Austin Andrews, we liked his game. We saw him in the senior night. He's athletic, and he's a nice player, and he could have went somewhere, but he convinced him to stay. And you mentioned all the other ones. They will be interesting. They're one of the most interesting teams, I think, this year. Some players that have left Illinois State where they went, yeah, Josiah Strong to Colorado State. We know that. I'm pretty sure – uh, David Roddy is staying in the draft, so they need to refresh a little bit. He goes there. Mark Freeman entered the portal. Wasn't Mark? I think they're going to grant him his eligibility to be able to go somewhere right away. But he entered the portal a couple of days after, right? Yeah, he is headed to Moorhead State. So back to those. Oh, right. He That's goes. Right. That's right. And then you mentioned Jaden Johnson staying. Yes, Iman Washington, Morehouse College, and HBCU. So. And you mentioned Kendall Lewis. He's the glue of all that. He is a really, really good player. You mentioned the lineup they could throw. They could they could have size this year. So we're going to have to – that's why I think we're bulking up on size. We'll see how it all plays out. They've done a nice job. Indiana State, I just noticed, we know they had Jason Camp, Robbie Avila, and a lot of other guys. I don't think – you can dive in if they've added somebody else that says they've – they made a tweet that they're returning about 76% of their scoring. And you add in, obviously, a Kent or whoever – and they bring back Cooper Nice. Tyree Keys doesn't count. He didn't play last year. We talk about what they could have been with him, which by the way, I think we talk about he's going to Tennessee. But no, dive into where if they add anybody else, because they're also they're in the Illinois State category of really interesting next year. Yeah, along with uh, Robbie Avila, they have uh, we haven't talked a lot about Indiana State. We've mentioned some of these guys, but they have another freshman coming in is an undersized guard at five nine point guard from Christian Brothers. Uh, at a St. Louis, who we've seen play a lot, and Robert Martin III, um, obviously 
they bring back Julian Larry, Xavier Bledson's back, Zach Hobbs, a knockdown shooter. They add Cade McKnight, a six-man big man from Truman State. We added Calix Stevens is back. Um, they get McCauley from DePaul, who was a Lincoln Memorial guy um, for shirts. Went to DePaul. Now he's at Indiana State. Cameron Henry, Cooper Neese. Then they get Trent Gibson, another point guard we talked about from um, Tuscolum. So um, another interesting roster shirts has put together. Obviously, with no Tyreek Key last year, he did the best he could, and they were pretty decent. They had some runs. Um, we battled them over there and over here. So, um, going to be another interesting, especially year two for Shirt. See how he does, especially with. I like to see what Robbie Vila does and uh, some of their transfers coming in. It did. They're, we talked about they were the first team to like when they had a Jason Kinn, it's like, man, they already have the players you just named there, the players we know about, but they're really versatile. And another year in Division One for those guys will pay dividends. They will be around the middle of the pack. I, I really think they will. Kent couldn't fit at Bradley. Perhaps he could fit. And he's going back with teammate Robbie Avila that they can maybe iron him out to be the player that he is with the size and everything he has to offer. So they will be interesting. Now, let's talk about Bradley. They added a guy similar to. Aribuya, Gonar Bilyeu, I just want to add because he's he's been the two JUCO Final Fours and he's won a Division II National Championship, I'm pretty sure. And then they say they Bradley's roster is filled. You can dive into him a little bit more, anything else they add, but pretty sure they're about done, aren't they? Yeah, they are, they are done in what they've done recruiting. Obviously, um, they bring back a lot of their players, Rink Mass, Darius Hanna. Um, they get Jashawn Henry back. That's big for them. Ville Teravainen. Uh, Malevi Leons, um, Connor Hickman, their freshman guard, Zach Montgomery that came along, Connor Linky, uh, Maxi O'Connor, and some freshmen. But they get the transfers in the uh, in the Sun Belt freshman of the or yeah Sun Belt freshman of the year out of Troy and Duke Dean James Popweathers, a JUCO point guard um, that a lot of people's high on. Um, the guy you just talked about that's going to be another lengthy guy inside then they get christian davis a six six guard that can score the ball uh, from a division two in lemoyne so um yeah i mean wardle is doing what he does he finds a way no matter how many guys leave he finds a way to replenish his roster with a lot of guys and he's getting it done big time i mean he's one of the top coaches in the league i know a lot of guy, a lot of people don't like him um but um, he's one of the top coaches in the league, and he does it every year in the offseason getting it done. Yeah, I mean, he's got the titles to prove it. I mean, he's definitely one of the best. I think he just he just kind of brings off a vibe that maybe some people don't like. We've talked about him before in that way, but we respect the heck out of his success and what he brings. He loves international players. That kid is one. Yeah, I mean, losing Terry Roberts is huge. I mean, they can – I don't know if he was first team Valley member and that's what he was, but he was so pivotal. We talked about him and how he said he was going to come back maybe and did blah, blah, blah. Pop Weathers could be that kind of player. It's interesting, but they're bringing back a majority of their team and they will be picked around hopefully where we are around three, four, five, because they're bringing back a majority of their own. Rick Mast will be a problem as always. And Henry coming back is huge. I mean, that is beyond huge. Um, good to see him healthy overall. No, no, let's dive into UIC. They've been going nuts as well. Dive into the, some of the really good talent that they have had. I, I want to say they've been able to have this talent where they've been. I wonder if the jump to a better conference 
has Jokic kind of in the mode that we need to get better players going to a better conference. So dive into them. Yeah, it's interesting to see um, what they've done. Um, they get Demaria Franklin. He announced his return um, back. He's a very good player for them. Um, they've landed several transfers. Um, they get Trevante Anderson from um, San Francisco, also played at Idaho. Uh, Tyler Stevenson, who we saw last year from Southern Mans, a 6A forward. Um, they get Toby O'Connor. He's a he's a Duquesne transfer. Um, they bring back uh, some other guys, uh, Jace Carter, Jaden Bronwell, Philip Skobashi. Um, then they get Jalen Jackson, a 6'2", uh, point guard coming in as a freshman um, from Fort Wayne, Indiana, who had a really good high school career. Um, they're also bringing in Stephen Clay, a three-star from the Milwaukee area. Cameron Finns, a 6'11", big man out of Iowa, Dubuque, Iowa. Crazy how they steal a guy at that size at a on the state because there's teams that keep them in. Then another cherry on top for them is they bring in former Mizzou commit Christian Jones out of East St. Louis, a three-star, six-four guard. Uh, Yaklich has a very athletic team. They can give some teams some problems. Um, I know we got more athletic, but we struggle against those really athletic teams. So um, the Flames could give us some fits down the road. Yeah, and we'll look back on adding Rupert, especially whether whether uh, AJ plays a factor this year, like in the impact that potentially that having a Rupert just to to have more of that overall defense on guys like this that they add. I mean, that is some talent. We yeah, they were athletic before that. We had that that feeling and knew about that, and they bring back their best player. Arguably, they add Stevenson from. Uh, uh, Southern Miss, it, it's incredible. And those guys are going to be a problem. Um, and they will, they'll be picked. I mean, they'll, where they'll be picked, they'll be picked in the bottom, but we'll, they'll finish somewhere. They'll get fits. We've mentioned how with the extra teams, there's going to be added teams to Thursday. So it's going to be ever important to like remain in the top half this year. And they'll be fighting for one of those spots. They will be dangerous. And they also had an offer for Desmond White, who we, we are also in on big time. They offered him recently. Uh, Missouri State, they added a walk-on right, a good player, and, you know, you can dive into him a, a tiny bit if you want to. I don't think they had anybody else. Uh, what else did – anything else the Bears do? Yeah, other than that, we haven't talked about I did see Dawson Carper graduated, but I believe he is back. But just run through their roster. Uh, Matthew Lee from St. Peter's we talked about. They bring back Donovan Clay. Dalen Ridgenow, Georgia – forward coming in they land Austin Mason from Oklahoma the four-star chance more from Arkansas James Grand, the third coming in Jonathan Mabobo a uh, Juco guy Brian Trimble from Akron Kendall Moore from Colorado State um, then their freshman class is loaded they get three-star Damon Mayo Jr. 6-2 guard um, they get Jonathan Dunn a 6-7 wing and they also have the Mount Vernon native uh, NJ Benton still committed, so um, they are loading up big time. Um, obviously, they won't be picked at the top uh, because a whole new team, team got voters take that into effect. Um, they will be my preseason favorite. I will go with them. They're about 99% new. And you mentioned Carper. That's good. I was going to mention if other ballet players were graduating as well. He will be a factor. He's really the only returning him and Donovan. 
kind of forget about Donovan sometimes, but Austin Mason will improve them as well. They will be 100% a threat. It's interesting to see. They have a lot of mouths to feed as well, so we'll see how that plays out. I'll run through a couple of things. You know, we mentioned Gibbons to UTEP. TJ Johnson, we know from Loyola. We know Loyola's not in here, but he was going to UT Davis. He had some talent as a young player. We know Sheldon Edwards is going to Loyola as well. Slew, no, we know Slew is adding big. They got uh, Yuri Collins to stay, and then a uh, – uh, and then what else did they, they add a picket, but they added a lot. We know about them. We'll hopefully see them in our non-con this year. They will be the team to beat in the A-10. We were thinking Loyola will have their hands full. Uh, I did see Valpo hired a new athletic director, and he had a presser recently. So we know uh, Liz was there and kind of helping the interim AD or something. She was involved with that. She's not there anymore. Clearly, they hired a new one. Did see that. And I want to talk about Belmont. You can dive into uh, what other things Belmont. I wanted to talk about them because they're a team that I don't think anyone's talking about, and it's interesting because Jacoby Wood, Belmont and Murray State were definitely rivals over the you know their tenures in that conference. He goes there, they lose. I don't want to pronounce his last name, but uh, that big man they've had over the years, great player. He's moving on. Grayson Murphy, who I forgot about, he is keeping his name in the uh, either withdrew. Obviously, probably not there. He probably is going to the NBA. I just saw his name earlier, forgetting about him. And then we know Will Richard is going to Florida with what's his name that from San Francisco. So, like, they're losing their top-end talent, Noah, but I know they have – Casey Alexander is a quality coach um, to be able to get it done, but this isn't OBC anymore. So, it's going to be maybe a challenge. Um, dive into who they've – out of the offseason, I think we've talked about a few or if they've had any recently. Yeah, they uh, – like you said, Casey Alexander's done a pretty good job of what he, he – he's done a really good job in the OBC. Obviously, it's going to take a take a ne- the next step joining our conference. Yeah, I mean, what they've done, they have a couple transfers coming in. Uh, Drew Freeberg, uh, six seven forward, Princeton transfer. We've seen Princeton transfer in uh, Ivy League schools come in and destroy us. Um, last year it was Schweiger from uh, uh, Dartmouth. So uh, Keyshawn Davidson, a Tennessee Tech guy, another OVC school going to OVC or Belmont. Um, they have a really loaded class coming in. Um, they have a couple more, some guards, 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", 6'3", and another 6'1 guy. But they got some decent players returning. Um, expect them to pick, I'd say, six, seven, eight range, uh, maybe lower than that. Um, so it'd be interesting to find out what, what they do. Excited to add them to the conference with UIC and Murray State. Um just making the conference deeper and better uh, makes Arch Madness a lot more fun, especially um, we're going to get four games on Thursday instead of two now. Right, and just them being in Nashville, we talk about the market, but it'll be a fun place to go watch games. Um, they're a top-notch program, as we know, and it's interesting because, like I said, they've kind of been not talking. UIC and Murray have just lit the world on fire, and Belmont's kind of just sitting there. Like I said, they lost their best players, but they added the ones you just said, and they'll be – they will be picked around that. And I think maybe that's where they'll finish. It depends. Like I said, Casey's a good coach. They hired a uh, former player of theirs to be the director of basketball ops. And I, I mentioned Bethel hiring an AD. They're the only Valley team we have not mentioned yet. We know, which is in, I think we talked about them last time that Kobe King and Thomas Kithier, I believe are returning using an extra year, whether they even had a year or they're just using it in general. Cause I know they're old guys as well. We know Sheldon went to Loyola, Noah, any, has Valpo, 
we talked about guys they had on the last one just in the last month maybe you can go over the same ones they did but like I said is it's confirmed that Kobe and Thomas are going back right yeah they are both uh coming back um they have not done anything since we last talked but just a rundown they get them back uh Nick Edwards a D2 player point guard coming back coming in they return Cricky, obviously uh Joe Hedstrom the Wisconsin transfer um Darius Diavaro Preston Rudinger hopefully he can get on scholarship he deserves it a um, couple freshmen they they uh redshirted and Cam Cameron Palase, Palesi from Wisconsin, 6'5 guard. We were in on out of high school. Uh, Connor Barrett's back. Then they added a uh, Juco guy, Jerome Palm, to add to that front line. Bringing in also a guy we were in on and Maximus Nelson, a 6'8 guy uh, out of Wisconsin as well. So, uh, yeah, it's just another one of those teams um, with Kithier, Cricky, and Kobe King, then a couple guys around them. Um, they could be pretty dangerous. Um, they also have about a Cedarville D2 school, quick green, a 6-7 guard. So um, be interesting. They'll be near the bottom as well, but um, another interesting game against Valpo this year. Yeah, and I think Kobe and Thomas going back there clearly, like, keeps them around that. And it's interesting. And because they have another year in the Valley as well. I mean, Kithier was hurt at the end of the year. If he wasn't hurt, they could have rivaled us for the sixth seed and everything. So it's – I think they'll be fine. They're a team we forget about. Uh, we know what uh, what's his name does a really good job, and they lose Kavion and they lose Sheldon, but they that they'll be tough to replace those guys. But they'll they'll find a way, and they'll be okay. Yeah, they'll be picked around the bottom half. Like I said, an extra year for those guys could do wonders. Ben Cricky and Mask are the bigs that will rule this conference some more. So, more things. Uh, just saw Loyola. Went to, was going to France in August. A lot of teams are going overseas, and that just made us think of the Cuba trip we had a couple of years ago in Barry's last year. Remember a dunk Eric McGill had, and just interesting to see it go overseas. We know we went to Virgin Islands and went far out outside of the country, but going to Cuba and stuff was cool. So Loyola's doing that. They didn't think we would end really on news about Loyola, really. We have other topics. We will get to those in mailbags because we're running a little long on time here and because we haven't it's been close to a month since we came to you guys. Like I said, we apologize for that. And it is the offseason. We're thinking we have the team in place. But if you keep DMing us, we will have a mailbag to talk about more things. And it's a, it's a fun Valley season. Looking forward to talking about them more, Noah. So give me your final thoughts. Yeah, like you said, keep sending us those mailbag questions. Um, we have enough now. We will have a mailbag uh, episode next week to bring to you guys. Um, if you're still listening to this, we will have another episode next week. Um, excited about next season. Obviously, we cover football as well, so we got to get the football first. Our baseball team is starting uh, their conference tournament. They won their first regular season MVC title in a very long time. So, SAE sports are headed in a very, very good direction with these young coaches we continue to get. So, I'm very excited for next season. I'm ready, ready for June to get here because we just remember – Cash, you, you said you were going through Cash's timeline uh, a little bit ago. Um, the video he was talking when he got here, he's excited to be in Carbondale and the freshmen get there. So I'm um, excited to get them here and get rolling. Um, it's a very going to be a big, big season for SIU basketball. For sure. I, I like again, I, I we got better. Obviously, everybody else did as well. Missouri State got deeper with talent. They were really good. We know all the teams. Drake will be the team to beat along with them. It's interesting. 
and the conference is deeper. So we'll, we'll wait and see how everything plays out. We're glad we're getting more fans in here. Arch Madness will be even better next season as time goes on. So uh, definitely a good one. Like I said, we're sorry. We'll try to get to you guys. He mentioned the mailbag. We will do that. It will be a fun uh, season next season. Like I said, we got better and football will be exciting. We want to go to junior right. We want to get these guys in here. We're looking forward to posts that they have about these new guys coming in and all practicing, getting in that group for next season. So we're ready for it. So for Nick Malone. No alerts. Of course, as always, go to Bucks.